Welcome to Lehigh's Tent. This is Andy. Hey, this is Danny, guys. We're doing something a little different on the podcast this week, and we've brought in Alex. Hi, Alex. Hello. Just a little background. Uh, we've known Alex for a little bit. Um, he is a return missionary from the Dominican Republic. And what uh, exactly? Which mission? So it's uh, Santo Domingo West. So that's west of the capital, but really it encompasses like southwest of the country. So tell us about uh, your family growing up, um, just your just life in the church. Yeah, so uh, I was, so again, we're in Ventura County, well, in California. But uh, so I grew up in Fillmore. Um, it's a small town. It's, uh, it's a town where a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of artists, a lot of actors, would go visit uh it's a place where they film a lot of movies it's not so much like that anymore but i remember growing up that's what i would see but anyways that's uh that's where i was raised that's where my parents ended up um eventually going and living to uh uh, they are originally from mexico and i can't quite recall but it was probably only about um maybe a few years later after they had settled down there in Fillmore where they met the missionaries. So they met the missionaries, uh, you know, eventually did all the commitments and everything. And they're a bit, uh, how do you say in Spanish, it's flojos uh, at the beginning. They're a bit. Um, yeah. Like uh, you would say like, uh, like flaky or something. Yeah. Yeah. I guess they wouldn't, fully uh yeah there you go they wouldn't fully keep their commitments um but eventually they you know they kept progressing progressing and they became pretty strong at least more so i want to say maybe they're the strongest now but to me they've always been you know like really strong members and so my sister so it's four of us uh have two older sisters and my older brother and i'm the youngest and we're all raised in the church. And so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, my two sisters did not serve missions. Um, but I mean, they've continued with their educations. They have their families now, uh, and everything we've all actually have gone through the temple. Well, first of all, being sealed as family, I think I was about two years old and then, yeah, my sister's, They've all gone through their endowments, my brother and myself, and we're all married now. (laughs) So yeah, all of us have our little families going and still growing. And at the time that your parents uh, were converted to the church, how how old were you or where were you? Yeah, uh, I actually was not not born yet. Uh, Got it, got it. My sister... My oldest sister, I believe she was a year old. Because my dad, uh, my dad was the one who baptized all of us. So, uh, yeah, they got to know the church fairly, fairly early before. They were probably like in their 20, maybe 25, 26, 27. So, yeah, so they were pretty young. So that's, that's pretty cool. So, Alex, when did you know that you needed to serve a mission? And what did you do to prepare? Yeah, that that's a good question. Um, so growing up, you know, you always hear, especially like 
I don't know, I don't know how it might be in the perspective of like uh, a young woman growing up, but as a young man growing up, uh, it's something that you always hear. It's something that you know it's really not ingrained to you, but it's you know it's something that is in a sense valued in the church, right? You hear all these great mission stories, and to me, I mean, that's what I felt. That's what I wanted to do. But then when time actually came, as I got uh, pretty close to age, which I actually could have gone at 17, because uh, that was, uh, that was I think that was 2012 was the year that they changed the mission, the, the, the age, the requirement. Yeah. Um, so I actually could have gone, but I, I held off because I was already doing uh, my first year in community college. So I held off and I was just going to finish that first year. And so I did, but uh, the first time that I felt that it was, I can't quite recall the exact day and time um, or really the experience. I just know it's more so of a progression. I remember first thinking that, you know, it's a commandment, first of all, and that's how I understood it was a commandment. And so I just knew like, you know, it's something that I have to do. Um, but at the same time, I did have some inner conflict, uh, I would say. So one of the things that I would struggle with at first was just the idea of, I guess, just teaching someone or taking the time to try and teach someone that perhaps did not want to hear it or maybe did not want to commit to it or, you know, just I, I thought I wasn't going to go anywhere. And so that was the main thing that I first struggled with was just that idea of like, why am I going to go teach or like, you know, go and try to teach someone or several people or lots of people that may not want to hear it or, or probably not going to hear it or, you know, nothing might come of it. So like, you mean like you had the fear of like maybe forcing it on somebody or somebody that didn't really want to hear it? Maybe not necessarily for, forcing it on someone, but more so a fear of like me just going just cause, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Um, and, and doing it and not seeing any results. Like that's how I kind of thought of it. But as time kept going, as like I kept preparing for the mission, it slowly became a desire to, to go serve. And that thought, eventually changed into you know what i don't i don't care if like you know i don't see any results i I know what i'm gonna go do is is something that's good i know that it's commended of the lord and i know that's what i need to do and i guess if there was um someone that was gonna listen to it i'll be happy if it's just that one person and that one person you know could later on you know, live, live a good life or live a life that, that they would want and that they'd be pleased with, you know, in God's eyes. So that was the one thing that, um, I was, that motivated me a lot. And just, I guess, going back to my parents, uh, you know, seeing how, you know, they might've started a bit like not as strong at first, but then for me growing up, I always saw them as strong members. And then, teaching us and then now we all have our own families and they're in the church as well and so 
yeah, that, that's the main thing that changed my perspective and it just became a desire. I think, um, you know, there's always a fear of not knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, well, I mean, I include myself in there that, like, you know, you don't want to feel rejected, you know, especially when you're sharing something that um, is so kind and dear to yourself. I also think that that's part of like taking a step of faith, right? And going on a mission, just going because you know, that is something that the Lord commanded. And also that, you know, once you receive your answer that you have to go, you know, you just have to follow that prompting from the Holy Ghost and whatever other promptings that come along the way. Yeah. And uh, I want to ask you, what, um, what's something that you liked about the, the Dominican Republic? What's something about the culture? Tell us a little bit about what it's like to be in the DM. Yeah. So my expectation going in was thinking, oh, you know, it's a, it's a Latin country. I thought, maybe, you know, uh, like I'm familiar with Latino culture. Well, so I thought, but of course, you know, this is one little part of, of the world that has a, a Latino culture that has been yeah. kind of adapted to the U.S. and in our region of the U.S. So it's very different once you go outside, you know, even just within the U.S., it's different. Um, but now going outside of the U.S. to a different country was a lot different. I, I thought there was going to be spicy food. I thought I was going to be eating yeah. like lots of like uh, seafood, which I was yeah. excited about. Um, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. Um, the culture was very, uh, very lively, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, like it was really cool at night. It just felt like people were relaxing. They're enjoying their time with friends, with family, uh, with neighbors and it kind of felt like there was a party going on every night no matter where you walk just because of all the music people shouting you know cool. um but yeah that's how it was on a on a daily basis there just really outgoing people um so that's something that i really like super easy to talk to people um in the capital they are a bit more uh how would you say a little bit more reserved but even then, it's still, they're still very, uh, you know, inviting. Um, but once you go down to where it's considered, like, they call it the countryside. Um, but it's really just outside of the capital. It's smaller towns. Those places, they're really, really nice. Like, very inviting. You know, they let you come in to their homes right away. My last area was super small. I mean, very small area. I, I we we could walk the whole town like in in just the afternoon. It was a it was a small town called Sabana Yegua, uh, and it's that's kind of like a a weird name for a town <laughs> uh, because I believe Yegua refers to a horse and Sabana is a like a sheep. I don't, yes. I don't know if the dr would be the same. I never quite really asked about that, but uh, anyways. Uh, Sabana Yegua, it's uh, part of um, the province is Aswa. So there's provinces there, not states. So the province is Aswa. It was, it's the hottest region in the, on the island. Um, but even though it was really hot, I think one of the things that I liked about that area was that there was like way less mosquitoes. Actually, I don't think there were any mosquitoes. I, I don't remember any mosquito bites being there. But that, I think that was probably like, the perks <laughs> so just that just out of curiosity did you have to wear your suit coat during 
those times where you allowed just to wear like short sleeve white shirt? Oh no, yeah, just short sleeve white shirt. Um, in fact, I had taken two suit coats with me on the mission, and I was like, why did I bring these? Uh, <laughs> I'm never gonna use these. I think I used one going to the temple, but that was it. After that, I was like, no, I'm not gonna wear this again. It's just too hot. I, I'm just gonna be drenched yeah. in it. So. Um, I think I gave one of my suits away to one of my companions because it was a little big on me. And I just figured, you know what? You could have it like, yeah, it, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> so. so can you share with us an experience from the mission that helped your testimony grow or that stands out to you now? Well, there were, there were many. And I really wish I was a lot better at keeping a journal because that was one of the things I was really bad at, just keeping a journal. But I mean, even though I didn't keep the journal, there's still things that I, more so I remember feeling than the actual experience. But I think one of the biggest ones was, there was a time where I had a companion that wasn't very motivated to work. And it was my first time having a senior companion. And so I was excited. I thought, you know, this is the first time I'm going to have a senior companion. I'm going to get to learn a whole lot. Um, but that didn't happen. <laughs> so it was very difficult being with that companion uh, teaching. Um, it was very uncomfortable. There was times where I was the only one doing the teaching and, you know, I'd finish up my little part and try to pass it on to him and nothing. He'd nothing. stay silent, make no eye contact with me. And oh, no. yeah, it was hard. And, um, you know, I wouldn't, pay much attention to it I mean I would but you know during the lesson I just had to keep going so I kept teaching and I, I had the hardest time with that um, yeah. but there was a night where I remember praying and you know I was asking Heavenly Father like what should I do I don't I don't know what to do in this situation uh, and it, even like having companionship inventory trying to talk to him was very uncomfortable uh, he didn't like it and, you know, just made the situation a little worse sometimes I felt. Uh, but praying that night, uh, it was, I think it was like after we had got home, it was probably like nine o'clock or something. We had finished planning, probably past nine. And um, I just had the feeling like, let him do what, what he wants. And so that's what I did. Um there was times where he just wanted to go spend time with members, which was fine, but it wasn't time that I thought was very productive. Yeah. And as, as much as I enjoyed, you know, visiting the members and, you know, having fun and getting to know them, it was time that we could have also, you know, a good chunk of that time we could have spent, you know, trying to find someone to teach. And unfortunately we weren't doing that. And that was, it was like that for maybe two transfers so that was like three months three right? months yeah oh man that must have been really really hard yeah so is it two transfers six weeks yeah because the transfer is usually a month and a half month and a half yeah so that was pretty hard and then finally um there's one day where we went to go have mission correlation meeting with the ward mission leader i think, believe it's like a wednesday night and we had our word correlation meeting. Our numbers were super low, like, yeah. and having really low numbers in, in that mission, 
the Dominican Republic in the central Northwest, it's really rare to have super low numbers unless you're in a really well-known area that's known to have that. Um, but majority of the time you're having maybe like 10 lessons in a day, uh, a ton of contacts or yeah. whatever. I don't know how they do things now. If they, you know, count contacts, each mission so it's slightly different, but yeah, we had really low numbers. Um, <clears throat> the word mission leader, I think picked up on that. Didn't say too much about it, but I remember he started kind of ranting on about his mission, uh, the, the word mission leader. And it wasn't a rant, I guess, because the rant kind of has a negative connotation to it. it. He was just talking about his mission and, exp and expressing that he wished he could have done a lot more on his mission. And he expressed to us, look, I, I'm, I wasn't a bad missionary. I did work, but there is so much more that I felt that I could do. That's, that's what our ward mission leader was telling us. And, you know, it was very heartfelt what, what the ward mission leader was telling us. And you definitely tell he was inspired by the spirit. And it's something that we felt. And it's something that my companion felt. And when we got home that night, right after that, that meeting we started planning and we finished and he's like hey elder gonzalez like i'm really sorry that you know i haven't been working um how, how i should and uh, i know i need to do more of my part and I, I remember i felt like crying so bad just because i knew that the lord had listened to me and had worked upon my companion and just seeing that that change and for him to admit that and I, I mean was very humbling to me and just I, I knew that you know the Lord wanted us to work and you know that I needed to work with him and he needed to work with me so right after that I mean we started having more progress with one of the families that that we had found and uh they eventually became members of the church and i mean great family the the father um you know became bishop of that ward uh, two wow. lawyers they're both lawyers so that you know they're very well educated their their children are growing up in the church now um i mean it'd be really cool to see that they go on their missions as well uh, <clears throat> but that that was that was pretty neat and that was one of the moments that really impacted me. Uh, but besides that, some of the sweetest moments or one of the sweetest moments that I had as well was another, um, another investigator, uh, older, older woman, but she was fellowshiped by some of the members. And that's how we actually started teaching her was she was a reference. And I, I do remember um, when she got baptized I mean, she was so happy um, that she like jumped back into the water. <laughs> and at first, like, oh, yeah. I, it surprised me, but I just saw that, you know, you could feel how happy she was and how she knew that was true. And she was coming from another religion, which I thought was amazing because, you know, how, I mean, that must be difficult, first of all, having friends in, in another church and another congregation and and then, you know, switching over or, you know, going to to another church but 
despite all that, I saw how happy she was. And I think that was one of the sweetest moments as well that, that I saw. But there's many others. Um, and I think just on a daily basis, it was interesting to see how you don't think too much about a decision. You just kind of do it like, oh, no, no, let's not uh, contact here today. Let's go this other route and we'll make some contacts along the way. And just things just working out working out um, either because you know somebody canceled on us and but we we uh, we found somebody else right away or just little decisions that I guess just helped us um, still continue our work even when things didn't seem to go as planned but so yeah I guess little miracles every day and things you don't think about too much and maybe don't even notice all the time but they're definitely there. Oh, tender mercies. Yeah. I was just thinking about your companion, I guess, that that's really awesome that you took the time to pray, I guess, because I think a lot of people's initial reaction, if they're faced with someone who's acting like that with them, would be to like confront and really just dig in on why aren't you helping me? But the fact that you took the time to just sit back and listen to the spirit and hear those words of like, let him do what he's going to do. Like, that's so cool. I don't know how often you get to really see someone's like heart be softened like that. An awesome experience. No, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, there is times where (laughs) I just couldn't handle him, but no, definitely. I mean, for a while, I will say, um, even after the fact that, you know, I had got the answer and he did soften his heart, there was a time where I, I was still in a sense angry at him because I felt, you know, three months of my mission went to waste. And that's what I thought for quite, quite some time. But when I, uh, I don't know at what point it was, but I started thinking back on it and I thought, I thought and thought about it. And that wasn't true. Three months of my mission did not go to waste. Three months of my mission were, in a sense, to help him and help myself as well. Though for a while, I, I mean, I was, I guess you could say, in a dark spot because I had that, that kind of, those kind of feelings towards him, you know, that, that resentment or anger. Um, you know, I eventually corrected my mistake as well and, and thought about the good that came of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, he did express to me one time, and I do remember this, and I think this was probably actually when I started changing my thinking and, you know, just how I, how I viewed him, was he, he once told me that, that I had reactivated him, in a sense, on, on his mission. And, That's great. And I think that that was something that really changed my perspective. And just seeing how, you know, we're all human. Uh, even with our church leaders, I, I mean, there are those who criticize our church leaders, but we got to remember, you know, they're human too. And they're not perfect. We all make mistakes, but that's why we have to rely on the Lord. And, and that's what our leaders do. I mean, yeah, they may make mistakes, but, you know, we, we know that they're there for a reason. And most likely, from what I've noticed now, a lot of leadership positions are because they need to learn. Uh, it's yeah. not because they're like the greatest or anything like that, but it's, it's because they need to learn and, and they need to help and they have some of those gifts to help us. I agree. And also, if you think about it too, um, Alex, looking back on the mission, like you said, once you're there, you know, you're, 
you're making choices and everything. And um, it, it is a little bit because your mission, you know, hasn't come to an end when you're in the middle of it. But in reality, it's a little bit hard to see the bigger picture, right? Because you don't know, you know, like you said, those three months, you know, you thought that you had wasted, but looking at the bigger picture, you know, you helped your companion. You were there yeah. for a reason. And I agree with Andy. That's amazing to see someone change like that. And to also know that your prayers are heard and that they're answered. And it's hard to swallow your pride, you know, with a companion and him realizing that this was an opportunity for him to kind of be better and, you know, to apologize to you and stuff, you know, that's not easy. That's not easy to do. But I think that it's, it's, um, you know, something that the mission teaches you that you have to be ready to change. You have to be ready um, to basically um, do the Lord's will, right? Yeah. Um, the next question is, uh, how has a mission helped you to settle into life after the mission? And how can that help other return missionaries? At first, when I first got back from my mission, I would say I would, did not have that mindset thinking that, oh, the, the, you know, the mission prepared me for life. It was actually really hard uh, once I got back. Just I guess I didn't have a companion to hold me accountable for stuff, uh, things I wasn't doing or things I should be doing. You know? um, it was just easy to get lazy, uh, you know, break out a routine. But I guess because of being on a mission, I had experienced just the constant, the constant, uh, I guess, routine of just reading scripture, yeah, talking about the gospel. And, and as time went by coming home from my mission, I realized, you know, I missed that. And it's something that even up until this day, I do struggle with. It's not the same, you know, it's not the same where you're talking about the gospel 24 seven, you got, you know, you got other things that you have to handle. You got work, you got yeah. school, you, I mean, yes, you do have callings, and but it's very easy to get distracted by all the other things that you have going on. And so it's something that because of the mission, I know how good it can it can be, you know, yeah. how, how happy I can be because of the gospel. So if anything, one of the things that it's helped me is just, it's, it's helped me keep a desire to want to improve. Because gotcha. I've I've reached I reached a point on the mission where I felt happy, um, even though maybe you know things uh, you know outwardly were not great. For example, not having power or water or um, it's just hot, um, people canceling on us, things like that. Yeah, you know it could easily ruin somebody's day. But for me, I, I was happy. I. I it didn't matter to me. You know, we just find somebody else to teach. There's no water. Oh, well, like, no, it'll eventually come. Uh, it's hot. That's fine. You know, buy a cold water or cold soda and, you know, just yeah. keep going. But because uh, I guess just experiencing how happy I, I can be and how, how the, the scriptures do bring that and just talking about the gospel, surrounding yourself in the gospel, um, it's something that I still desire because unfortunately now I've, I want to say that's kind of been pulled away or I pulled away from it. Right. Okay. Um, but it's something that I could definitely, and that we all definitely can still, you know, immerse ourselves in the scriptures with gospel study and talking about the gospel with others, maybe not as direct as a missionary, 
but um, although you do have to be direct with you know eventually <laughs> with with if you're yeah, talking yeah. about the gospel with with someone but and also um, remember like the thing about the mission is that you're a missionary 24 7 you know yeah. that is your calling and once you come back from the mission you know unfortunately you can't really do it 24 7 but yeah. if we could we would right yeah. or you can't do it because of life you know like you said school work um other studies that you have or just um just that life comes comes in and and it takes away from that time but your testimony or your knowing about how important scripture study is how important prayer is how important reaching out to others is that will never leave yeah definitely but yeah it's something that up until now like i i definitely wish i i could read my scriptures more than that i had the habit now it's not saying that i don't have the time because we could make time no matter how busy you are like this is something that i would always think as a missionary no matter how busy you are, you could always find time to read the scriptures. Sure. You know, a I lot of people that. would put up like those walls where there's barriers and say like, oh, I have work, I have school, you know, I'm too busy. But it's like, no, you, you could take out five minutes, you know, like stop watching that YouTube video, which is what I do all day. So, you know, it's, um, it's something that I definitely need to keep working on, you know, yeah. building up that habit again. And same with just reaching out to people, building up the ha- the habit of re- reaching out yeah. uh, to those who I I minister to, and even you know just people at work or wherever that they're not members, just reach out to them in a way that's friendly and Christ-like, and you know perhaps we strike a little conversation about yeah. you know their beliefs and my beliefs and things like that. So awesome, awesome. To take a little bit of a turn. How would you say that your faith or your experience on your mission helps you deal with things like anxiety and depression? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people, member or otherwise, are dealing with, um, especially right now. I don't think I've ever really identified with being depressed or having anxiety. It's not something that I could recognize, at least um, you know, I don't think I could, I guess, medically or, you know, even come close to defining myself in that way. But I definitely have had hard times. And I guess with that, with with my faith is, I guess, part of, part of what I want to say with, with my faith of how, you know, I overcome challenges, it more so comes from seeing the example of my parents. I, I would imagine it was it was difficult having four children and you know trying to maintain them. As a child, I never really quite understood what they were going through until I started seeing it more so and I was more aware of it during my high school years. And you know, uh, there's a time where um my dad ended up making like this inside joke because we we always for like the longest time we always had rice uh and almost just rice like maybe rice with some egg or things like that but mostly just rice and my dad would always be like uh oh we're having rice again 
sometimes if we'd have a repeated meal, but say it's not rice, right? Say it's like enchiladas one day and then we're having enchiladas again. He would make that joke. He's like, oh, we're having rice again because that became a common thing where <laughs> we're having rice and, you know, it became a saying in our home, like, oh, we're having rice again. And then there was a while too where, uh, well, fortunately we were blessed. We had, my dad had chickens at the time. And so we had eggs, we had lots of eggs. So that was another thing that was very common, just rice and eggs. Um, but I mean, besides that, uh, you know, seeing them stay positive, uh, there is times where either I had to pay stuff for school or for sports and I'd tell them like, Hey, how are we going to get the money for that? Like that was more so in my high school years and they'd be like, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, it will come. And yeah, it always, it always did come seeing their faith, uh, you know, that they trusted in the Lord and trusted things would work out. And they, they always did work out. Uh, there's a time where uh, my brother, my older brother was going on his mission and my dad had a brain tumor and we found that out around the same time. And that was hard because I imagine it was hard for my brother. He didn't thinking maybe I should stay home and work because my dad was out of work. I was my senior year of high school. Um, and you know, it was just economically, it was hard. We weren't even living, you know, a place that we were renting out. A member yeah. was housing us at that time, which I'm really thankful for that. And <clears throat> uh, just, I guess, despite all of those challenges, challenges, um, you know, I always saw my parents' faith, like, you know, prevail or, you know, overcome those things. And that's something that, you know, I really value in my parents. And it's something that, you know, I want to emulate. No matter if things are going bad, just have faith that things can work out. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I guess knowing how my parents, and that's why I said to me, they were always the strongest members for in my eyes, right? Um, and I guess that is something that has helped me you know, overcome hard times. Um, and, and yeah, so it's something that I really appreciate. And I, I really love my parents for that, for teaching me that, though, they may not know it, but um, some something that I've learned from them. I just, I'm just struck by the love that you have in the way that you speak about them and the love that your family seems to have for each other in all the stories that you've shared about them over time like it's always just a really special thing so thank you for that Alex you know I know that you say that you haven't really had to deal with anxiety and depression as like a diagnosed thing for yourself but I I think that it's still good to to have ways of coping like you're talking about because we think about anxiety and depression like this big like, monster that you have to be diagnosed to deal with but I feel like you can still experience smaller forms of them or even just for a small amount of time like you can be anxious about something at work or depressed because you know something's not going the way you wanted it to at work or in your personal life um and those are still just as important to talk about and to i guess find ways to get through as someone who's you know been suffering with anxiety and depression for 10 years so i really appreciate your comments thank you Good stuff. Thank you. Um, for the last question, I know you know the answer to this one. Uh, 
but I just want to want to pick your brain and see what's um, what you have for us. Um, so, how do you contribute to missionary work now that you're not a full time missionary? Or any 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 tips on that? Any anything you'd like to share with with us as as far as like you know what do you do as far as like missionary work? So again, I guess just because of the mission, you know, you learn what that looks like. Yeah. And unfortunately, I know that I'm not doing the, you know, I'm not doing that 100%. And for example, one of the things that I know I need to work on, and I've been really bad at this, is to keep communication. Or if you're you're a return missionary, keep communication with those that you met on the mission, uh, those who you taught on the mission. And that's something that I have failed to do. And I recognize that, but I know it's something that I need to work at and, and really just talk with those people. Why is that so important though? Why, why is that? Why do you, why do you say that? Why is that so important to keep in contact with, with those? I th- yeah. So not, so I say that because for, well, for, I guess, first of all, let me, let me put something into, I guess, just maybe some of my thoughts that I've had, I've always had ever since the start of the mission was I never wanted to be that, the, the missionary that was the only friend to those people who I taught, you know, I always made sure that whoever I taught had friends in church uh, because I didn't want to leave. And then, you know, they would probably go inactive because yeah. nobody else is there that befriends them. So I always made sure that they did have friends and they all did um but i also think that now as a return missionary it's important to help them remember you know covenants that they made but also it i mean it's time that you spent with them it's time that that you know you made a friend and you should keep that contact with that friend um and i think just friendship in general is something that you know maybe we don't hear it so as like a principle in, in the gospel. gospel. Yeah. But it's something that's definitely there and that helps build faith, helps us build, you know, uh, I guess just communities where we could share our faith and where we think similarly. Um, definitely. Yeah. We have differences and all that, but it's, uh, you know, I think it's something important that we need to keep alive is those, those connections. And even if you haven't served the mission, you know, maybe friends from back home, maybe you've moved away or family. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's important because that's the way that you show love towards others as well. You know, you give them time. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, just besides that, something I recognize that I've also failed in <laughs> It's just talking to people um, that we've been assigned to either minister, or even if we're not ministering, you know, if we're members of, of, for example, I'm a member of a ward here in, in Oxnard, which I used to live in Fillmore, but I've realized that I haven't taken the time uh, when we were meeting, you know, uh, to say hi, to get to know people. And that's something that I feel needs to be done as well. I saw that on my mission in the Dominican Republic. Of course, it's different culture, but just seeing how people would talk to each other 
and and say hi i'm not saying that that doesn't happen here but you know it's something that could happen a little bit more and i know that i've lacked in that to you know reach out say hi at least and um, you know maybe ask them how their day is going or find out a little bit of who they are you know they are your your fellow members in, in the same ward so might as well get to know them and i think that's something that is important that needs to be done more and i know that i need to work on that and then besides that just whether at work or at school um you know get to know people get to know what their beliefs are and and uh try to identify things that are similar rather than debating about what's different but you know try to find similarities and and really just uh i guess build friendships in that way as well agree 100 percent. i think too uh you know sometimes um you know here all the time uh you know new member walking into a to a new ward or or branch and you know it's really it's really sad with sometimes we we overlook the people that are visiting we don't even say hi or you know we don't even reach you know shake their hand or anything like that and it you know it's it's not really that welcoming but if you do your part to reach out and to say hi or to smile um whether it's some new member or members that we minister to it does it does go a long way and i agree with you too you know we don't really see that as a like gospel principle but you know it's all part of fellowshipping it's all part of um you know like christ said you know feeding my sheep you know um being their friend and and helping those that might need help and sometimes we're even surprised it might be us that need need the help you know yeah. And so, you know, I agree with that. I think we all can learn from each other and um, by reaching out and, and being a friend of someone else in church, because it really does, really does go a long way. And we we recently have heard a lot of talks saying, you know, general authorities, you know, hey, you know, you're not in this alone. You're part of the church. You're part of this huge family. You know, don't feel that way. I know, keep going. And I think as members, we definitely do our part to be um a little more friendly and more more um you know just yeah 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 for sure if you could share something with the people that are listening there's anything that you'd want to tell them or just say it out there you know throw it out there (laughs) um i guess maybe this isn't something or you know mission related or not mission related it's just something that i've come to like learn a bit more about and more so recently and Really, it's, it has to do with repentance. And, you know, repentance, and I'm sure we've already heard this because we hear all the time in church, it's, you know, we cycle through old material, really. We're always relearning yeah. and relearning. Um, but, you know, it's not, repentance isn't something that's just for, that you need for when you do something bad. You know, it, it's also for just improving. And, really i guess you could get into the whole thing of sin of omission meaning you you haven't done something or some you haven't done something that you should be doing which is a commandment right um such as scripture reading or prayer things like that but um you know repentance is something that uh i'm starting to learn is just a part of our daily lives or when we feel the desire to want to change our situation and just be better better people, better, uh, I guess, human beings, better husbands, wives, brothers, sisters, a better family member, better church member, better priesthood holder or, or uh, 
Relief Society quorum member or elders quorum member um, <clears throat> is something that that desire is is really what is the same desire as wanting to repent. You know, you want to improve and, and really just come closer to God. And so that's something that, you know, I would say don't feel bad if, I mean, you're going to feel bad, but don't give up if, you know, you feel that way, but you don't see improvement, you know, just keep going, keep trying. I think having that desire says a lot about that, you know, about an individual and it's something that's precious. And I think it's something that, you know, keep acting on it, um, keep working at it. And we're not perfect. I mean, there's lots of things that I want to improve on still, lots of things that I want to work on and not just for myself, like to benefit myself, but to benefit my wife, to benefit my family um, and those around me really, uh, when I really think about it, it's things that, you know, I want to, I want to be dependable, I guess you could say. If somebody needs me, then I want to be that person that you can depend on. And so I know I need improvement and to live more, I guess, temple worthy, really, um, or yeah, not give my my time or attention to things that aren't so important and give it more so to the things which are, which I know for one is my wife, uh, yeah. the scripture study, um, prayer, and, and my education, things that are actually going to propel me forward. And I know I need to do that more because uh, I spend way too much time like watching YouTube or watching shows or yeah, yeah, yeah. wanting to play video games, you know, things that um really are a sidetrack um but so yeah i mean i'd say don't give up keep trying i know i'm trying and it's something that you know i guess my ultimate goal really it, one of my ultimate goals would be you know to be recognized as someone who never has given up on his beliefs and you know stay true to that and I'm pretty sure that's, you know, that's going to be hard to do as time continues, as, you know, things are going to get harder in the future. And we know that through, through scripture, but we have to stay strong. Definitely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Repentance is a really amazing thing to me. And the fact that we have access to it is probably one of the best things in my opinion about the gospel as we learn it. Um, and I know that one of the missionaries that taught me um, something that's really stuck with me from her is that repentance is not just the act of, um, you know, working through what you're doing or not doing, but it's that feeling afterwards too. Like that suit feeling of feeling like you're doing better or like you're in a better place too. Like it's all the same thing. Yeah. Um, so you don't need to be scared of the process, but um, look forward to what you get. Recently, I was in a in a missionary discussion with someone that is learning, and it was about repentance. And I thought for a second, we were talking about how, you know, God, he forgives, you know, someone that repents. You know, he, forgives, he forgives them from their sins. You know, they're truly repented. They made the changes that are needed to qualify for that, you know, gift of the atonement. And I remembered that 
you know, the Lord says, you know, those who repent, you know, and truly come unto me, you know, I'll forget their sins. And I thought for a second, I'm like, man, how amazing is that, that the Lord, he forgives us and he just, he doesn't just forgive us, but he doesn't even remember him anymore. So, and I thought, well, maybe if I ask him, hey, do you remember when he did that? He's probably going to say, no, don't remember that. And that's just amazing um, to know that every mistake that, you know, we'll make, or that we have made, we're making, and that we will make, because of the atonement, he paid for that. And if we truly repent, you know, the atonement is what's going to wash us clean, and he won't remember it anymore, anymore. And I'm so grateful for that to not to have that knowledge. Um, but I think that's, that was a great, great comment that you made about repentance not being something that's, you know, yes, we might feel, we call it like godly sorrow, right? For mistakes that we made, but it's a good thing. You know, it's, it's something that's going to help us improve and something that's going to help us in reality, be happier. Right. Yeah. And that's always a great thing. Thank you, Alex. I have one very serious question to ask to end this as well. Um, who would win in a fight? One horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Uh, <laughs> that's hard. What was the, how'd you phrase the first one? A, a oh, horse-sized duck? duck? I think or, a horse-sized duck. That's 100 horse-sized duck or horse, duck-sized horses? I can't even say it right. Okay, wait, wait, one more time. Is it? Is it? Who would win? It's one giant duck, basically, <laughs> versus one hundred tiny duck-sized horses. Although ducks aren't that tiny, actually. Eh, pretty yeah. tiny, right? Actually, then they bigger could... than a chicken. Yeah, no, I, I think the larger duck. The larger. I mean, horses, horses are big. They scare me. <laughs> so if a duck yeah, was that's that true. big, that'd be scary. <laughs> So the definitive answer then for everybody listening is a horse-sized duck. A horse-sized duck. All right. I'll be that horse-sized duck. (laughs) Anyways, Alex, we just want to thank you for, for, I guess, joining us today and really great for your testimony, really great for your example. Um, You know, I'm going to say we know you personally and we're just grateful to have you around and, um, and just great for your example and for everything you're doing and, um, we just look forward to uh, continue working with you. Pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, everyone listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace out, guys. Bye. Bye, y'all.